Yesterday, God just took me in a whole different direction of what I was already planning on. Um, I had a great sermon laid out two weeks ago for this week, and it was about serving with, with as family. And in the couple of verses that got brought to mind was um, Matthew 6.33, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So many times, um, we as a family, and even in our home, my wife and I, we came into this like disease mindset, believing a lie that it was only quality family time if we were at home doing nothing or we were on vacation, or basically we were like shunning the church, saying if we were doing any ministry, it was no longer family time. And, and we just began to pray about that and lean into that, and we realized that we want our family's traditions to involve God's bride, His church ministry, serving, whatever that looks like. And, and you know, we're not a church that just believes the only way you can serve is behind this podium with a microphone. That's not the only way to serve. Also, it's not the only way to serve in the kingdom, just in the church. That's just one of the seven mountains that we've discussed in the past and the influences and the cultures that we have. And, and I have a good friend, Bruce, here, and, and he and I often talk that, you know, he is as effective as a minister as I am, but he's not pastoring a church. He's running a business. And he's running a kingdom business with a marketplace ministry right there. So he's got employees, he's got people that he purchases from, people they sell to. So on a weekly basis, he's reaching as many or more people than I'm reaching as a pastor of a church. So we have to come into the knowledge of the kingdom, that kingdom is not a place, he's a person. Yeah. Kingdom is Jesus. So, so it doesn't matter if you're serving right here with, with a microphone or if, you know, Jeremy, he's the parks director, the superintendent of the parks, and he is doing a kingdom thing there by the light he's shining for God to his people. And, and so many of you in every realm or sphere of influence that you are, are doing the same thing. Serving as a family, yeah, an easy thing to do is serve in the church because we offer all kinds of avenues. There's Tuesday night prayer, there's there's treasure hunts, there's once a quarter we have the mission, revolutionary love blitz. And if you've never heard of that, I'm going to plug that right now. And that is where we all meet on a Saturday morning at about 9 a.m. and we go for two hours just loving on people. And one of the funnest things I ever did was Nicole, myself, and Cameron Roberts, we went to Circle K. We sat in the little chairs there at the subway area, and we, for two hours, bought everybody's coffee that was coming through that line at their cash register. And, and it was amazing. And what was cool was we had to explain that we were just loving on them with no request in return. We weren't asking for anything. It was no strings attached. So these are ways that you can serve as a family. And this is ways, because I believe sometimes we believe a lie that if we're guarding ourselves, and all of a sudden, you know, we notice this with young families and people who maybe have changes in their life, all of a sudden they protect. And they, they put this guard around their house and around their time. And all of a sudden they just decide not to do anything. And God never intended for you just to bury your talents. He intended for you to use them. And, and those, those love blitzes are awesome. We once just landscaped a church down here that couldn't, that just needed some hands. And we just wanted to show kingdom. That it's not just our building. It's not our church. It's not our ministry. It's Jesus's. It's his kingdom. So anyway, I had this beautiful message laid out today about Isaac and Abraham and how they serve as a family. They sacrifice as a family. And I just had this picture of, of Abraham going up to the mountain and taking Isaac and sacrificing him, being to the point to willing to just take his life. And I had this beautiful thing because we're on week three of community, uh, Christmas and community. And week one, we talked about the kingdom. And, and I tell you what, 
I was just met with a guy this week, and he just melted with the Father's love. And, and, and I, I met with him just for lunch, and, and we were just talking about the Father's love. And, and that first week, we really covered that, that it's Christmas in community. And, uh, and I'm going to get to what that means, what that looks like. Um, but I'm recapping for a moment here. So that first week was about being adopted into the kingdom of God as Abba Father, as your daddy. Okay? Because he says we can cry out as his very own children. So it's hard to see what community looks like. It's hard to see what family looks like. It's hard to see what it's like to serve in a church if we don't even know ourselves as son and daughter. So the first step and the first thing and even wanting to serve and, and sacrifice your son and all these things is knowing your place as a son and as a daughter. And, you know, we taught that and we talked about it. And we spoke about it many years and we understood the information and what it was to be a son or a daughter. But then all of a sudden I had a revelation and where it was an experience, an encounter with the father's love, a baptism of his love to where now I felt the father's embrace. I felt what it was to be a son. I felt what it was not to be a daughter, but maybe you did. So, but here, we'll just blanket this right now. If I can be the bride, you guys can be, you ladies can be sons, okay? If the guys, if we can be called the bride, the ladies can be called sons as well. Are we good with that? So anyway, that was week one. It's really just being adopted into the family that you can cry out like the scripture says, Abba, Father, which today's language translates to Papa, Daddy. You know, Daddy, it's a term of endearment where he's not this distant father waiting on a throne just to punish you and send you to hell and judge you. He's a loving father waiting for your embrace. Last week, we really targeted about the church, Christmas and community as a church family. What the role and what the role is of the church and what the role is of you in the church and what that looks like to partner together to see where you can add value to each other. Not just us coming in with this attitude of what can the church give me? Me, me, me. It's about me. What does the church have to offer me? What does the children's program have to offer me? What does this have to offer me? And I just, I'm going to suck everybody dry around me. Because it's all about me. That's not family. A family is a family that comes together in unity and contributes and adds value to one another. So we talked about a little bit about that last week and what that looked like. And the church should of all places be a safe place. So today the goal was to talk about Christmas and community as a family, the natural family. So, so we had the, the, we basically had like the heavenly family, the, the, the supernatural family, and then that was, that was the kingdom. Last week was, was the spiritual family, the church, and this week I was really going to target the natural family, your home, you, whatever that looks like. Maybe you live alone, maybe you have a family, maybe you have grandkids now. So I had this beautiful message about what it looked like to be in community and actually serve together and make a culture in your home serving together in that I had this picture of Abraham and Isaac and Abraham taking Isaac up to the mountain and, and on the way, now Isaac is a teenage boy. He's a teenager. He knows what's going on. At any moment, he could have died. <clears throat> At any moment, he could have just ran away knowing what was happening, knowing that his father was, was, was going to sacrifice him. And at the end, he basically says, Whatever you will be, Father. Whatever, whatever you have of me, I'll do. And he comes to this place of submission to the Father and the Father with the love in his eyes. And I can just, I can just picture that. Isaac, the son of promise. Isaac, the son that, that was, was brought into this world out of promise, out of faith, out of hope. And now suddenly your father is, is as you've waited for this moment, your father is going to sacrifice your life. 
And I just, I thought of that picture with my family, with what we've gone through in ministry and what we're willing to do. We're willing to sacrifice our family, but God is at this day asking for that completely. He's just asking you to seek him first with your family. So Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So as you're seeking the God, you're seeking the Father, you're seeking God as a family. You say, God, what, what you have of me, I'll do. What you want of me, I'll do. And then I had this, this just revelation of what that looked like up on that mountain with Abraham and Isaac. But then, you know, yesterday in just the process of my week, God just completely flipped what that message was going to turn out to be. So here we are today. I gave you the recap of what it was going to be, but that it's not going to be. So you got it. That was it. Now we're going to part two of last week and family this week. And, um, and it was a challenging week for me. And uh, I think just I went back to work for the first uh, full 40-hour week at the fire department. I um, had a season of just being off for four or five weeks, six weeks almost, um, on and off. And also just here in the church, just you know, having a baby kind of rocks your world. Having baby number four really rocks your world. Being now 34 years old and not getting any sleep is a little harder than it was when we were 27. So uh, some of you parents who have kids at an older age, you know that. And, uh, and I tell you what, it's, it's been one of those just emotional weeks for me, just raw emotion. And what I've learned is that this week, everything came to head. My personal life, the church, my work, everything was just like, take care of this now. So it was, a week, it was a week of not getting home any night before almost 10. It was a week of waking up at 5 in the morning to meet people before I went to work. It was a, a week of lunch appointments every single day. It was a week of just connection. It was a week of just saying, okay, I've, I've taken care of a baby and I've hunted for the last six weeks. Now it's time to take care of some connection. And, and that's, just, that's just where I am. And you know, just getting emotional yesterday, just out just watching people shop and just, just what I went through all week this week. It's been a very draining week, but a very uh, effective, um, productive week for me. So yesterday I'm just, I go out, Nicole was having a like, baking day at our house with her, her, her mom's side of the family and all these ladies and Jill and Teresa were there. And, and, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna head out. So I meet a guy at 6.30 a.m. on a Saturday and I go visit Tony Camparelli in the hospital. And then I decide just to go shopping by myself and come home, hopefully once they were all gone out of my house, and it was clean, and I could just come home. And I get home, and Jill, Teresa, and her grandmother, our grandmother, is out still talking in the parking, the driveway. I'm like, ah, oh, I almost timed it right, but it was really good to see them there. But anyway, so I just come to you out of just some, just some raw feelings of what I'm feeling in my heart today. And I left last week's sermon just, I actually just, just feeling like I didn't, I didn't hit the home run. And you know, I loved, Week one, last week, I was just like, I want to do over. Because it feels like still there's just a lot of pressure. And I just feel that, I discern that in the spirit that there's still pressure in this church. That there's still some pressure to perform. We're going to celebrate Jesus. Okay, we'll get there. But a church and a family, a home, should be a place where you come in, you feel safe, you feel rejuvenated, you feel free. And then you leave encouraged. You leave. It was a great, great message last week. But the revelation I just don't think was there. So to this week I just, I left last week and I'm thinking, man, 
The church, God's bride, should be a place where when we leave, we're talking about it at the lunch table. We're going out to eat and we're bragging about Upper Room and we're bragging about our family here. And we're going out strengthened and encouraged and full of courage to face our week. And I'll just be honest with you, it feels like where we're kind of at right now is a place that's just like, we're just tired and we're bogged down and there's this performance atmosphere. And I'm just here to tell you that you're in a home. And in this house, you're free to be you. You're free to fail. You're free to mess up. And you're free to not be perfect. So you're in a home and Christmas and community, what it really looks like is a place to be free. A place to be you. A place to be full of joy. And just, it's an ecstatic place that you leave and courage. You leave just, just feeling like you can conquer the world. Everybody, every man in here remembers what it was to be 17. And you were indestructible. Nothing can affect you. You can drive off a cliff. Your car's going to do 100 flips. You're going to crash at the bottom. You're going to walk away with a big S on your chest. And you're still going to conquer the world. You're invincible. Some of you ladies, you may have not grown up as aggressive and as, as that, but some of you are the same. You're like, you know, and, and even in my day, I could drink, I could drive, nothing was going to, nothing was going to hurt me or affect me, right? And I just, I just think in a, in, a, in a righteous way, that's where we need to leave here every week, feeling encouraged. Matt once preached a message and he said the church should be a rest stop. To where you're driving on the highway, all of a sudden, you need to get some needs met, you need to use the restroom. You need to get a drink, you need to wash your face, get revived a little bit, and then all of a sudden, you go out and you face your, your, your rest of your journey. Full, fueled up, right? And I just say that should be the community that we're in here in the church. It should be a safe place to where people come in, they're free to be them. And even in their failure, we're going to celebrate that. Even in their hard times, and, and I, just, I just feel like today at the end, we're just gonna pray that all this pressure and I prayed for a guy at lunch this week, and he just, I literally saw God, I saw God lifting off this pressure and just dousing him with joy. Yeah. And I just, we're going to declare that today, that especially this time of year, it gets so stressful. Yeah. It gets so much pressure, and some of us, we even get lonely, and we've had lost loved ones, and holidays are so hard to get through. The winter is hard to get through. That sad, that seasonal affective disorder, that's a real thing. All of a sudden, we get home from work, it's dark. We wake up, we go to work, it's dark. And all of a sudden, we don't have the sunlight and the, the releasing the keratonin and, and all these different things, cool things, the serotonin, all those good hormones that we need from the sun. Many of you will know more about that than I do. But I'm saying, all of a sudden now in the winter, it's like these short days, and it's like, what are we living for? What are we getting for? And I'm just saying that Jesus is here to give you purpose. Jesus is here to give you freedom. So he came, and, and I'm just going to pick off kind of where we left off, and we're going to get the same scripture as we've done. So yesterday, that's really why I targeted, and I just want to know, what's your favorite time about this year? What's, what's your favorite traditions of Christmas? And I had so many great responses, and a few of them included, you know, reading, you know, watching the Christmas story on TV. And, you know, Nick, he quoted a line from that, just very funny. I had Corey Wendell in the back that his favorite tradition about Christmas is just... One word, mistletoe. You know, Cheryl mentioned about going to the detention center, and, and Dad, he brings a group of people, whoever wants to go Christmas morning, they go to the juvenile detention center and just love on the kids there and give them some gifts. And uh, if you were interested in that, you just need to get with him. It'll be there going Thursday. So that was one of their traditions. Some of them involved, 
you know, before they pass out gifts, they would read the story of Jesus being born in the Bible. Some involved, you know, breakfast with the family, still in your pajamas and, and all these things. And, and I start to see the value in all this. And none of it included the Xbox 3672 or whatever they're at now, or PlayStation 98. It, it didn't involve that. It didn't involve the iPhone 72. As we progressed through these things, it didn't involve the gifts. Most of it involved actually giving. And I love what Randall put. He says his favorite thing about Christmas is being with family and seeing the eyes light up on the kids as they open their gifts. And, and, and I just think, as I'm hearing these things come in, and there's bunches of them. You can get on our Facebook page and read some more. And, and I texted a group of guys in our home group, and they gave me about 10 more things. And, and, and it's just amazing, the tradition. And I hope that our Christmas Eve service becomes a tradition for you if it fits within your family schedule. I hope that coming here, the Christmas celebration, the Sunday before Christmas, becomes a family tradition for you, your kids, your grandkids. But see, what all that was saying was that it's the basics that we appreciate in life. It's not, it's not the lights. And, and let's do this in the church perspective. If people would leave this church or, or they say, what's your favorite thing about Upper Room? It's not going to be the projector. It's not going to be the flashing lights during worship. It's not going to be the drum set. It's not going to be, oh, I, my favorite thing about Upper Room is the nursing mother's room. My favorite thing about Upper Room is the, is the counter color of the bathrooms. It's not going to be that stuff. It's going to be, I love the presence of God there. I love that there's freedom there. I love the family there. I love the people there. I love that God is doing something powerful there. So as I was preparing for this message today and trying to follow the community, it's time to just get back to the basics. Yeah. It's just time to get back to the basics. And as I picture Christmas, I just I picture family in front of a campfire and just enjoying each other's company. That was a little awkward. <laughs> you know, and I just, I remember this and I equate this back to my life and early. And I love our kids. I love our home. I love where God's brought us now. Same thing in the church. I value where we were, but I'm very thankful where we are. Okay, you, you would all be very surprised what the building used to look like where we came from. Very awesome. But you know, there's days I miss that. There's days I miss that. I walk in that building sometimes and I just weep, thinking, man, this, this person's life was touched right here. My life will never be the same for a moment I had up on those stairs right there in that place, just laying, just, just prone before God. And you know, and I just remember our first apartment, and honestly, we hated it. It was like ridiculous. We about got divorced there. It was just nasty. Okay? But we had this fireplace there, this wood-burning fireplace. And it's just across the street, just a, a, one street over. And that's, that's where Nicole and I, we were married there. We started our life there. It was before kids. It was before, you know, leadership at a church. It was before these different job role changes at work. It was before all the stuff started piling up and up and up and up. And I'll be honest with you. I miss those days. I miss the simplicity. I miss the closeness with my wife on those days. I miss, I got pinned in for two days at a fire department when we had all that snow uh, back in like 0203. And it was like we had like two feet of snow overnight. I woke up to go to work. I was like, oh boy, what am I going to do? And at a fire department, there's no excuse. You can't be late. You can't not show up. You just figure out a way to get there. So finally, I, I drove my little four-wheel drive truck. I found a plow path, and I stayed in that plow path. 
And I just, I got to work, and then I got snowed in, and I was stuck there. So her and I are online, our dial-up internet. Do you remember the sound? We're online on dial-up internet playing checkers at Christmas Eve, because I was stuck there. And I just remember those times that, like, they're simple, they're, they're basic, but you remember them. And I just, as a church, I just want to get back to that place where we're intimate, where we're at around the campfire, where we're just, where we're around the, the fireplace opening gifts with each other, just having the brunch together. You know, I don't want to be this complicated system worried about budgets and worried about balancing budgets and worried about board meetings and worried about this and worried about that. And I don't want you to be worried about it. If you're leading a ministry here today, I'm lifting that pressure off of you. Maybe you're serving in a ministry where that pressure's there and you feel it. And you're like, why would I dive any deeper? There's too much pressure. Today, we're just going to lift that pressure. Your personal lives, whatever you've got going on, whatever marital stuff's going on, whatever financial stuff, we're just going to lift that pressure and say, today's a do-over day. Today's a do-over day where you start fresh. And that's my favorite time about this time of year is just start the new year. It's a clean slate. It's a fresh start. So this is my last message before the end of the year. Matt's going to take it next week. And this is your do-over day. This is where the pressure is going to be lifted. I want to read two scriptures to you and then move on to the third. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. And I read this. For to us a child is born. And this is NIV is what I'm reading. To us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. The government of heaven looks like community. The government of heaven looks like family. The government of heaven will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counsel, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Every week we've been kind of focusing on a different aspect of this scripture and the next one I'm going to read. But the peace, everybody say peace. peace. I preached a message on shalom peace and I just, I just want you to welcome that today. That the peace of God, there will be no end. There will be no end when, when things are going rough, when things are going nasty. And Kelly had to hear this week that Tony, he's got to go from the hospital to the nursing home. And our friend Brian back there, he knows what that's like being in a wheelchair, one day driving the car, the next day being paralyzed in a wheelchair in a nursing home. So when these things are happening, how do we count it all joy? How do we still go through this? How do we have peace? And the Bible is talking about there's peace to no end. So no matter what our circumstances, listen, that's the thing. When we're talking about Christmas and tradition and that stuff, we're not getting back into the stuff. The things I'm hearing are, I appreciate the atmosphere of family. I appreciate and I love the hope and the joy and the peace. So no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances, Brian, there is peace. There's peace. His name's Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. Where he is, there will be no end to the peace where he's reigning. Going on to John 17. And this is the prayer. This is what we've been focusing on on nearly a month now. It says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you've sent me. Jesus is praying to the Father. It's one of his last things he does on earth before he faces the cross, before he faces the crucifixion. And he's praying to the Father and he's saying, God, Father, I pray that as you and I are one, let everybody on earth be one with us and one with you as you and I are one. The, Jesus is making a big deal there about community. He's making a big deal about what a family looks like. And then he says, and he says this at the end, and he says, 
so that they will believe you sent me. The culture that we create in our home, the culture that we create in our workplace, the culture we create in our church will make people believe that Jesus was sent to earth to bring unity, was sent to earth to bring miracles, was sent to earth to bring and increase people's faith, to see the goodness of God. People will know by the, by the what? The love we have what? One towards the other. They will know that you're my disciples by the love you show one towards the other. So they'll know that you sent me by how you portray me. And a church that's divided, a church that's full of jealousy, a church that's just rising up the pastor and only the pastor is a dictatorship and it's all about him getting glorified, will not know that Jesus was sent to this earth for everybody. It wasn't just for the pastor. It wasn't just for the leaders of the church. Jesus was sent to that cross for a community of a bride. For everybody to come to know them. So where I'm going to dwell today, and then I'm just going to read the, the Christmas story. Where I'm going to dwell today is the verse in the Bible that says, Jesus was sent here. He came to seek and save that which was lost. What's that? What's that? He, he, he didn't say for who was lost. He said that. It's everything. Have we lost our joy? When David lost his joy, he prayed a prayer. Lord, return to me the joy of what? Salvation. Christianity, being a son, being a daughter, being a believer should be full of joy. It should be full of peace. It should be full of hope. The dreamers need to arise. The visionaries need to arise again. You know, we can't keep quenching people's dreams. I don't crush a single dream. You think you could be a pro wrestler? Go for it. Try out. See what happens. I believe in you. It might be kind of cool seeing a 130-pound pro wrestler. Go for it. You know, I was talking to Jeremy and, uh, and a week or two ago. And, and their son, Zane, just an incredible boy. I don't think he's in here. He must be in the class. Incredible boy. And he has a dream to be a professional duck hunter and have a store. Have a store, an outdoor store. That's his dream. And, you know, his parents, Jeremy was saying... You know, that's just kind of crazy, you know? You, you want to be realistic in this, but you don't want to crush a dream. So they said for the last few years, you know, what is he, 13 now? 14? He's 14 now. For the last few years, it's been since he was a young boy, he's had this dream. They've just empowered him. They're like, okay, and he, now he's got this plan. Now it's coming together. And now he's making them believers. He's got such a plan, and he's dreaming so accurately, and now with such a plan. Now they're becoming believers, whereas before, and I'm kind of adding some of this in, before Jeremy's like, this is crazy. I don't know what to do. I don't want to crush his dreams, so this sounds crazy. You know, that's a big investment. How does somebody amount to anything? You know, I don't want to see him fall on his face. You know, I'm thinking those are kind of the things that were probably in their head. But now he's got such a plan to go to Arkansas, do this, do this, and then it's going to look like this, and then the pro staffers will be like this. Jeremy's like, man, this could actually work. It's time the dreamers arrived. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. There's dreams that have been lost in this place. There's dreams that have been lost in your home that your kids and your kids' kids will be serving God here with you. There's hopes that have been lost here. There's joy that's been lost. There's pressure that's been put on you at your work. There's pressures that's been put on you here. There's pressures that's been put on you. Trust has been lost. 
People have abandoned you. They've abused you. They've taken advantage of you. Past pastors, past leaders, past employers, past parents, past big brothers and sisters have totally taken advantage and just done injustices to you. But Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost and to restore trust, to restore relationships, to restore you to a place where God says you can dream again. You can be full of joy again. You can be full of hope again. We met with a couple this week and, and we told them, we said, listen, we didn't invest in your ministry. We've invested in you. We don't care where you go. We don't care what your ministry looks like. We care about you. We're here because we care about the connection with you. We're here because we care about you. We're here because we've invested in you. How many have watched the show Shark Tank? I've watched it. I like it. My wife actually got me hooked to it. And I'm usually like the business guy. So, so my, Nicole gets me hooked to Shark Tank. And it's, you see the products that are on there are pretty cool, right? You're like, man, this could definitely go. I could see, I want that. I could buy that. I could see me using that. But then you see the people and all of a sudden there'll be like this amazing product and a person that can't sell it. And they're like, yeah, we like your product, but we don't like you. I'm out. Or the opposite. I've seen the opposite. There was this young girl in there with like this massage stick. And they're like, yeah, we've seen that same product. It flopped. We hated it. But you, there's something special in you. So we're going to invest in you because we like you. And we'll just see where this product thing goes. But we, we want you to probably design some new stuff. Listen, we as a leadership here, me personally, I'm asking for a do-over. I've hurt people. I didn't always have the baptism of love. I had the baptism of passion and fire. I had the baptism of, I want to see souls get saved and I don't care what happens in the process, let's go, 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 go. So today before you, on behalf of me, on behalf of this church, on behalf of your parents, on behalf of your workers that have just crushed you, your employers, on behalf of, of parents who have abandoned you, even died, and you looked at them and they stole that time away from you. On behalf of all of them, I'm asking for a do-over. I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking to see the grace over those people, including me. To see the grace, to actually see that God is powerful to change somebody. To see that God is powerful to restore the relationship that was crushed. To see that God is powerful to say, yeah, that Christmas tradition, that can be restored, even though it's somebody I haven't even been with for three years. I just believe in that today, and it's just heavy on my heart, that God is restoring things this Christmas. He came to seek and save that which was lost. What's that? What is it in your life? What's that? What's that which is lost? Is it my kids? Is it me? Have I lost the joy of my salvation? Have I lost my fire? Have I lost my passion? Have I lost my purpose in life? Have I lost my talent? Jesus today, he said, today is the day of salvation. Salvation in that context actually is sozo. Today is the day of sozo, which means, and, and, and Josh Haas is going to preach on this in a few weeks, what sozo is, because we have a ministry coming out. That's incredible. But anyway, sozo came to seek and save that which was lost. Today is the day of salvation. When he's talking about that, he says whole salvation, whole healing, wholeness. It's everything. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's physical. It's everything. When you think of salvation, it's only being making it to heaven with my papa. But listen, he still wants to make heaven into you too. He died on the cross not just so that you can make it to heaven. He died on the cross so heaven can get into you too. When he came to seek and save that which was lost, it's everything. It's everything. So let's read the Christmas story. I'm going to do Luke 2. 
How are you feeling? We're, we're gonna we're gonna have a party here in a minute, okay? We're gonna bring the band up and we're. I got the jewel. I got the. We're gonna do that whole thing again. I'm gonna pray for you first. Okay, so here we are. I'm gonna start about verse six. Two six. New King James. We're reading from this time. So it was, and I'm, we're just gonna stop. We're gonna close here. I just want to paint some parallels here. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Mary was going to give birth to Jesus. And she brought forth her firstborn son, capital S, son, Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We're going to get back to that verse. Swaddling clothes in a manger. Everybody say manger. manger. Now... There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Everybody say, all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. We're going to revisit that. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And then the rest of the story is the shepherds went later on, the wise men went. And, and see, that was the whole point of this series, Christmas and community. Wherever Jesus is, he attracts community. Yes. Wherever Jesus is, he attracts community. When he was born, he attracted community. The shepherds, the wise men, they went to him. Wherever he went and ministered, when he started to heal people, multitudes would come. And you know, whenever he went and began to preach and speak, and he was across the sea, and all of a sudden multitudes came, and now the, the, the disciples were like, well, geez, there's all these people. They're hungry. What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, even when community's there, now God began to meet the needs. And fish and a few loaves of bread began to feed thousands upon thousands on two different occasions. So when the community was set up and the community was there, all of a sudden there was a system of faith, a system of unity, a system, a culture, a family, to where now our needs can be met. And you see it in Israel. You see it as the Israelites began to, to exit Egypt. And all of a sudden, there's community there, and they begin to depend on each other. They begin to rely on each other and have faith in God. You see it in the Acts Church in the upper room, and you see them come into unity. One mind and one what? Accord. Then suddenly, like a mighty rushing wind, all this cool stuff starts happening. Flames rest on their head. They all speak in another language. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled up. Now suddenly, then from there, they go out into the streets, and thousands were added daily. So they reach this place of family. They reach this place of freedom. They reach this place where Jesus sought and saved that which was lost in those systems. Now they moved on. Today's a day of salvation. Today's a day to get back to the basics. Today is a day of a do-over. Today's a day. So I'm, I'm looking at this story of Jesus. I'm looking at this and I'm like, man... And, and I get pretty wrecked when I, when I start thinking about Jesus, when I think of him on the cross, when I think of him in a manger. And I'm thinking of this atmosphere, this culture that was there. And I'm thinking kind of like the stuff I was telling you about with my wife and I back at the old apartment. Or just picturing that small family before it got complicated. Just around the fire. 
eating brunch around that table, eating breakfast, waking up, and the kids, you see that face. And I think, you know, Jesus, the most complicated being on the earth, came in the most simplified form. You think Jesus could have, could have stormed in like a whirlwind. He could have been dropped down on a throne in a kingdom. He could have been made king immediately. He could have come into this planet any way we could have ever imagined. He could have come in with riches and glory and, and gold. and I mean, he could have been made out of gold. I don't know. He could have done anything. But he chose to come in the most simplified form of life. And you know, when I, when I look at my baby last night, as I'm thinking about this stuff. I'm thinking, man, we, she needs all of her cares taken care of by us. And we're swaddling her. We put a swaddle around her. She needs fed by us. She needs changed by us. She needs rocked to sleep by us. And I just picture this in a manger, in a barn, in a cave, or whatever that would look like. And, and I picture the animals and the stench and all that. Thinking, you know, this, this is a couple that journeyed 80 miles and it took several days on a donkey. And finally they reach this hotel and it's, it's full. They won't let them in. So they end up in this, in this area that is, is a picture of either like a somewhat pseudo cave or a barn. With livestock and animals and hay. And all they have is this little box. And she gives birth to the Messiah. She gives birth to the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty Counselor. In the simplified form, in the most basic form of life. To feel what you and I feel. To walk what you and I walk. To live what you and I live. He's an approachable Messiah. He's a real deal. And today it's time for us to just get back to the basics. To say, you know what, I'm sick of the complications. I'm Matt and I often talk. I don't like the pressure of church. I don't like the pressure of leading a church. I'm just going to be really transparent right now. I grew up in a church where I hated it. And I constantly have to fight that I hate church. <laughs> <laughs> but God, no, I really love this place. Yes, I'm just sharing my heart. I grew up in a system that was all about rules and all about appearance and all about these things that doesn't matter to God in my opinion. I'm not judging it, I'm just saying it. Here we are. I stand before you imperfect God. I stand before you just a real man, just like you did in a manger. It's saying, I don't want the complications of a bigger budget. I don't want the complications of how are we going to build the next project. I, I told Matt, we're not doing another project this year except maybe the front sign. I'm done. We, I, I'm just... I don't want another project. I want to come to church. I want to lead a people who's just on fire, full of love, and we're family. It's just where I'm at. So that's your leader. Somebody that just wants family. Now that stuff comes, I'm willing to, to navigate through that. I'm like, 10 years ago, 8 years ago, I'm like, why did I get a degree in business? I'm a firefighter. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, thanks, thanks, Dad. <laughs> but here I am, just being fed up with just Feeling the pressure. And, and maybe you feel the same way in whatever area of your life. So I want you to stand with me and I just I want to pray for you and then we're going to celebrate. Just just hold off on the band. We'll, we'll get him up here. I want you to see your dad and dad. I know this isn't the typical Aaron preacher. I just this is just my heart today. It's my heart that you feel the love of God. It's my heart that you feel the freedom of being a son. Listen, what I had to learn was I'm not a good pastor until I'm a good son. I'm not a good dad until I'm a good son. I'm not a good husband until I know what it's like to be a good son. 
And the same thing goes for you. You won't be a good boss until you're a good son or daughter. You won't be a good mother or father until you're a good son or daughter. That's where Jesus was. He became a son. He came into a manger. He was a son. He was a son of God, and he was even the natural son to Mary and Joseph. He became a son before he could do anything. And then, here's proof. Here's proof. And I'm going to... This is it. When he's getting baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan, the heavens open up. This big thing happens. The dove comes down. It sends him. rests on him. The Holy Spirit rests. It dwells on him. never leaves. And the Father says this. Now, now, granted, he's about 30 years old. He hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't preached a message. He hadn't raised the dead. He hadn't healed the sick. He hadn't opened blind eyes or deaf ears yet. And here's Jesus coming up out of the water. And the Father out of heaven says this. He says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. That's what he's saying about to you right now. We're back to week one, kingdom. What it's like to be in the community of the kingdom. We're back to week one where the Father's saying this over you. You are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what ministry you're a part of. It doesn't matter what business you lead. It doesn't matter how many kids you have or don't have. It doesn't matter if you're fertile or not fertile. It doesn't matter if you're married or unmarried. Nothing matters except right now the heavens are opening up over you personally right now. And the Father is saying, you are my beloved child with whom I'm well pleased. You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to act for me. You don't have to put on a show for me. You don't have to scold your kids. You don't have to yell and get all bent out of shape and go crazy. You are my beloved child with whom I'm well pleased. The Father is saying that over each one of you today. The Father wants nothing more than just a relationship with you. Just the connection around the fire. Just the connection around the dinner table. That's what He wants. He wants nothing more than that. He's not asking for anything. He is the God of everything. He needs nothing from you. He only wants you. He needs, I want to say that again, He needs nothing. He wants you. He needs nothing that you have to offer in His kingdom. Somebody will provide that. He's created 7 billion people. He needs nothing from you. He desires you. He wants you. He loves you, but He likes you. He loves you, but He likes you. I love you, but I also like you. Alright, just open your hands up like you're receiving a Christmas gift. Coolest thing ever. We serve a king. That on his birthday, we get all these gifts. It's awesome. I want to restore to you that which was lost. Jesus, I say that on behalf of him. Jesus wants to restore to you that which was lost. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He today is adopting you into the family of the kingdom of God and calling you his very own child. This is biblical, where you're an heir. It says an heir to the throne. So hold out those hands. He's giving you the kingdom right now. It says the kingdom of heaven is within hand. It's at hand. It's within reach. So God, we just pray for your people today. And God, we just pray for an activation of sonship in this place. God, I pray right now that the weight of this world, the weight, the pressures, the stress, the depression of life right now is lifted. Lifted, it's lifted, it's lifted, it's lifted. Right now, I feel that your shoulders are getting lighter. 
Move your shoulders. They're getting lighter. Just move them around. Seriously. They're moving around. God is lifting the weight of pressures of man off of you, whether that's pastoral pressures, whether that's church leadership, occupational leadership, family, fathers, whatever. Injustices are being lifted right now. Injustices are being lifted. Wrongdoings are being lifted right now. Abuse is being lifted right now. Abuse, abandonment naysayers, word curses are being lifted from you right now. And God is pouring out his joy right now. He's pouring it out. He's pouring it out. He's pouring it out. Joy, 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 joy. We sing a song when I was a kid. Let the joy, 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 joy be down in my heart. Down in my heart. Right now, he's putting joy, 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 joy down in your heart. Joy, joy, joy. Say joy. Say joy. Joy. He's putting peace on you. Shalom. Peace is resting upon you. Peace is replacing pressure right now. Peace is replacing pressure. Peace is replacing pressure. It's being lifted and it's being replaced with the goodness of heaven. The government of heaven is now resting on your shoulders because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the government of heaven is you. The kingdom is within you. It's upon you. It is within you. His name, his name is Jesus. Joy and peace. Right now, how many felt lighter? How many feel lighter? I want you to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Breathe in the goodness of God and breathe out the lies of the enemy. There should not be a hardship to serve in the kingdom. Every day is not, not this full of lollipops and fields of flowers. I'm not saying that. There's still real illness. There's still real issues that we face. But God's grace is sufficient to help you navigate through it. God's grace says no matter what the trial comes, we'll 